What's up, Florida State sports fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Null Sports Podcast. Kurt Weiler here with Andre Fernandez coming now now back at you for the uh, the first after the first road trip that we both got to take this year. We both uh, got to be up in Death Valley this weekend, and uh, suffice it to say, it was a, uh, a brutal game for Florida State. Maybe brutal in a different way from a lot of road games of late and a lot of games of late against top-notch competition. In that the game was there for the taking, and and yet Florida State couldn't uh, couldn't finish the drill, if you will. Yeah, I mean, you saw you saw a lot of, some growth from the team, especially on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they, you make the big play there at the end, Jermaine Johnson. I mean, obviously, Jermaine Johnson, you know, has way a lot more experience. Guys like him, guys like Keir Thomas, played well. You know, they brought the experience from playing in the SEC for a few years before they arrived at Florida State. But you did also see glimpses of the younger players stepping up. I mean, and that was the encouraging part, too. A lot of guys that contributed to those late stops. I mean, you know, Marion Cooper gets his first career interception. He's been starting to play a little bit more lately. Kevin Knowles, you know, played well again. DJ Lundy had a good game. So, you know, it was kind of and – that, and that's why I wrote what I wrote about just this is what it kind of has to look like in terms of what it looked like in the second half. It's a resilient defense that's going toe-to-toe with an opponent on the road and seemingly had done, you would have thought, maybe enough to 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 put the game away. They even had a stop on the next drive where they had a couple sacks uh, and it, it looked like everything was going the right way until, you know, a couple penalties that, you know, could have gone either way, could have not been calls. You know, the, the late hit looked like, one of those unfortunate ones where he's going out of bounds, not quite out of bounds, but more often than not, referees lately are going to err on the side of calling that. And then the pass interference play looked like a 50-50 judgment call. But again, it it's still a team that's learning how to win. And I think, you know, there were some encouraging things, but there was also some of the signs that we've seen, you know, and, and some of that was on the offensive side of the ball. They got they barely able to, outside of a couple of big chunk runs, they really couldn't run the football, and that's their bread and butter on offense. You know, and Jordan Travis, you know, good game. Overall, had a bet, you know, you looked it up, best passer rating anyone's had against Clemson. But, you know, some of that came on the Toafili big play that he hit there, which was an incredible play. I mean, one of the best plays of the year in college football. But overall, I think you could take some things away from this and build, but now. You know, here now. Now we're we're here at a, another game and against an, a ranked opponent, NC State, where it kind of almost feels a little bit like a not in the long term, but in the short term for this season, feels like a little bit of a tipping point game because if you bounce back and you get a huge win at home against a team like that, you you continue to feel good. But if you lose, and especially if it doesn't go well and it's and it's a little ugly, then you start to feel you start to see them again in the lens of oh, okay, we still have a long way to go. Yeah, I mean, it, 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 in a lot of ways, that game should be. I mean, NC State isn't nearly as talented as Clemson. I mean, the big thing about the Clemson game, for as underachieving as that offense has been, and for as impressive as it's been that the defense has played and continues to play at as high level it does, despite how bad the offense has been. I mean, it's I think the fourth most talented team in the country. Florida State's twentieth. Mm. Yeah. For a long time. Those two were either it was it was somewhat close, or I mean, for a for a while there, a good while there, really until recently, Florida State had an edge, but but it has fallen off pretty significantly just because of I mean, 
two transition classes in three years will do that for Florida State. And so for that reason, I mean, you look at – this isn't really a game that Florida State should probably win even if Clemson's down. But the fact that, I mean, when you look at the box score, Clemson had 126 more yards of offense, 377 to 241. I mean, a sizable advantage. Yeah. They didn't really pass the ball better. They definitely ran the ball better. They somewhat big play reliant, but they 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 hit a few uh, big plays on the ground and, and found more success consistently on the ground than Florida State. They led for the vast majority of the second half and, and a good bit of the first as well. I mean, it, in many ways, even looking at the box score, and I know Bill Conley does a great job with postgame win, win expectancy and breaking that down based on the box score, Clemson should have won this game. But, it, I mean, like you said, I mean, when you lead with eight minutes left, thanks to that incredible Jermaine Johnson play, which he uh, he talked about today and uh, when, when we talked to him, but, I mean... Whatever the box score, whatever anything else may say, when you're right there and can't finish the drill, I mean, it's a gut punch to be sure for that team. Yeah, I mean, I'm even looking even beyond Jermaine's big play. I mean, like I said, they come back and yeah. they get a couple of sacks, including the big jailbreak sack there where everybody just like converged on at at, at DJ Younglele and and dropped them. And you're th- and at that point, you're really thinking, you know, I think there were five and a half minutes left, give or take, at that point. And you're thinking if they can put together at least a drive where you can maybe get it down to under two minutes, kill some clock, you're feeling good about yourself at that point where maybe you can make – maybe you only need one more stop and you could put this thing away. So that's the disappointing part. But, you know, again, I mean, one the offense, you, you, could, you look at it positively from the defensive side, but there are some things in the offense that do concern you. I mean, but then again, it was – Still very, very good Clemson defense that's still top-notch, still among the elite in college football. I mean, some number that, a number that stood out to me was FSU had only three first downs rushing. And that that's something that, you know, you could tell right there, that's not them. That's not them. I mean, and, and two of those were – well, actually, one of those was on, on, a, on that 24-yard run late by – I think – I don't know if – I might have said wrong, not late. But I know Jay Sean Corbin had a busted loose on one long run, but that was it. It, it just wasn't what we've seen out of this team, maybe with the exception of the Wake Forest game where they were kind of controlled in that one too. And again, the plays were down, the amount of plays were down. I think they had, it's not their lowest. I mean, they only had 54 plays against North Carolina, but boy, did they make them count, you know? But in this one, 59 plays, I think Clemson was in the upper 70s. So again, a little bit of disparity there in terms of possessing the football, which we knew was going to be a challenge the way Clemson, you know, can limit teams from, from going on those long marches, but we saw it in the first quarter. They that first touchdown drive was a pretty decent, you know, lengthy drive they put together. And again, that was another encouraging sign at that point in the game. So there there were snippets of of, of good things, but in the in the grand scheme, again, got a team that's still still learning how to compete at that at how to win those games, especially in a hostile environment like that. Yeah, and I mean. It, it, you talked about the run game, and obviously, I mean, it's. Uh, I saw the a lot of the uh, Jordan Travis discourse of people kind of. It, it feels like every time he has, not even a bad game, because I don't think this was a bad game for Jordan Travis, but a game where he doesn't kind of win the team the game or put them right there and just like. It, it, it quickly kind of pivots to well, I just don't know if he's a future option. And I don't either, but I mean, if you're if you're saying anything worse than than Jordan Travis's uh, performance really in the uh, 
in that game was was okay, especially when you consider the competition. I'm just not going to agree with you. I mean, yeah. Florida State's offensive line, when you look at, they had Dylan Gibbons and Devontae Love Taylor. I'm not convinced either of them were entirely at 100%, but both were able to, <laughs> to, to play for them. And I mean, obviously that was a boost, but even at 100%, even if everyone's at full strength, I'm just not sure the offensive line's yet in a place to be able to block that Clemson line. I mean, Clemson, yeah. when they're able to get pressure with three and drop eight in coverage, and when you're in a predictable passing down, no one's going to have success against that defense. I mean, it just that's not a recipe for success. It doesn't help when the receivers at times have struggled to get open. It doesn't help when, like you said, the running backs are struggling to have success. I mean, Jordan did some things. I think the quick passing game was something that hasn't really been a, uh, a strength of his. In fact, I know Kenny Dillingham agreed Monday and kind of said that it hasn't been a strength. And I know that was something where some people thought why maybe it should be Mackenzie Milton coming into the year. Jordan showed growth there, and that's what it had to be. It's what it might have to be a couple more times down the stretch. And so, I mean, moments like that show that whether he whether he ends up being the future option or now, it's so silly to write him off as he is what he is now. No, uh, it's not fair to him off this game because I think he's made a lot of there's a lot of more a lot more positives from what he's done, especially in the la- in the past month that you could see. I mean, you talked about the quick passes, the first the, the first touchdown, the quick hitter to Corbin was was one of those plays that that has to be on target because that could be a disaster if it's not. And he made, you know, he makes that happen and he showed progress going downfield as well. I mean, we've seen a much better ball this year from him on, on such plays on such occasions where he's been able to find his receivers and overall he's, he's looked a lot better. He's looked more comfortable and he's the right fit for, again, we're beating it to death, but he's the right fit for this offense right now. I mean, what he brings meshes perfectly with what they're able to do. And going back to the offensive line, I mean, when I I looked it up on on Monday when when I was doing the my homework with on on Pro Football Focus and other websites, I was I mean, the fact that it's pretty amazing that they had all five of those guys survive the entire game and play all those play all the snaps together. I mean, that's pretty remarkable considering the physical shape that 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 the two that the two guys you know Devonte and, and and Dylan were in going into the game that they didn't have, they didn't at least come out even if for one at least once you know maybe for a drive or something but they were able to stick it through and against again a challenging front that is still one of the best I mean they're they they've been they've been wrecked by injuries too but they they're still one of the best groups in the nation and they showed it. They showed it. I mean, if you take out that big chunk play, I think FSU was held to 2.1 yards per carry. I mean, not counting sacks, obviously. Not, not even counting sacks. 2.1 yards per carry. I mean, you take those things out. That still stifles what, what is the strength of this offense. Yeah, I think I think if you take out that one big run, it's closer to one yard per carry, including sacks. I mean, it's uh, – it, 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 it was never going to be – I mean, we knew how hard it was going to be for them to run the ball. We knew how much – I mean, they had found that identity through that. And the the truth is, I mean, going forward the uh, the rest of the way, I think that that can be an asset for them. I'm not saying by any means that the, uh, the, the defense that they're going to play are bad or that it's going to be easy to run the ball on them. But, I mean, even NC State, which is second in the uh, – I think or no no so Clemson's the best in the AC in the ACC at rushing defense 3.07 per carry NC State's fourth Miami's fifth mm. Boston College is 12th so are they bad especially those top two no but 
I mean, it, 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 nothing left is going to be. I mean, like we said, that is the best defense they're going to play this year by a wide margin. I mean, what they were able to do early, like you talked about with the methodical drive, was impressive. I didn't think they were going to probably even be able to have one drive like that. They had a 10-play touchdown drive. I think it was the tail end of the script because I know, I mean, we don't know exactly how long the script normally is, but I think it, it, number of play-wise it works out to about that. But, I mean, during that stretch, too, I mean, they were, I think, th- converted three or four third downs, and they weren't gimmies. They were longer third downs. I think the average was six or seven yards. And then they converted just one of their last 13 to uh, to finish four of 13. Yeah. The defense, I mean, like you said, they gave them a chance. They also limited what Clemson able, was able to do on uh, on third down. They were four of 14 themselves. They forced the three turnovers in the second half. They had a, a season-high 11 tackles for loss. And, and they, th- uh, I mean – it is worth mentioning with the defense. They were a bit susceptible to not even all big plays, but just some intermediate plays. They also broke up a lot in the backfield. Yeah, and, and throwing in another stat in there, you mentioned the the opposing uh, yards per carry allowed. The Gators four point one four. So again, not That's, a yeah. not a stifling run defense uh, by any stretch. I mean, they're ranked in the, right in the middle, pretty much of the SEC, eighth overall. So. Yeah, and honestly, the, the the next toughest after Clemson is going to be this weekend. NC State's allowing 3.48. Miami is behind them, right behind them, but they're 3.99, a half yard worse. Right, yeah. So right there around Florida State, yeah, only so marginally better. Easy, easily this is the toughest defense they were going to face this year from the, from the looks of it. So, I mean, it, and, and they did their job. They took away, they, they obviously made it a point to take away their strength, and for the most part, almost – the entire game they did and in the end that made the difference because of the fact that fsu could not put them away at the end if they had been able to run the football you you would think right there with five and a half to go they're able to put put together a drive pick up a couple first downs and 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 milk the clock and then you know we're having a different conversation about this game much different conversation about this game yeah it's uh, i mean (laughs) It's tough because the defense, it's, I'm sure, frustrating in a way. Because the defense, I would say, did not live up to expectations in the first half. I mean, Clemson hadn't even scored 20 points in regulation this year. And they they had 17 by halftime. And then you saw that defense buckle down, like we said, with the third down stops. Like we said, with the turnovers. And it seemed like, despite those early struggles, they were going to pitch that second half shutout and uh, and give Florida State a chance. I mean, like they did, like that was created with the, the Jermaine Johnson play. I mean... It felt like a couple times talking to you during that game, there were a couple times where you're like, this just feels like maybe the moment where Clemson's offense finally breaks through. And and it didn't happen until Florida State took the lead. And, I mean, obviously those those penalties make it a bit discouraging. It's tough. I, I think that's where some inexperience of how many young players they're having to rely on shows, shows up. I mean, it takes real mental toughness to kind of battle through giving up 30 yards of penalties on that drive with, I mean, a Clemson team that, cliche or not, knows how to win. Yeah. No, it, and yeah. made that play, you know. Yeah, they've been there, done that. You have, you know, talented, experienced players. Yeah, of course. This is gonna be the first year they missed the playoff since the second playoff, right? I think they missed <laughs> the first one, and they've been in every one since, and they won't be in this one, obviously. Yeah, they're their mainstays, and and that you can't. I mean, that's yeah, that that that's a major disparity, you know, from where they from where they've been to obviously what FSU has been through and. You know the the lack of experience of this roster overall. Even even transfer guys haven't. You know some of the they they've like Jermaine was playing for Georgia, but you know outside of that, 
you don't look at guys that really had that level of, of experience like the same way you have plenty still on that roster, even despite of the, in spite of the injuries. Yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's tough because, I mean, it, it's cra- as crazy as it is to say. I mean, there's been a uh, – since since Florida State's title run, since Clemson's become what Clemson's been the last few years, I mean, that's the first time in a while those teams looked like they belonged on the same field. Yes, Clemson, uh, if you look at the box score, was, I would say, the better team and, and probably deserved to win. But it was obviously right there for Florida State. I mean, that's the first time they've led. They had three leads. It's the first time they've led – Clemson at all since 2016 they hadn't led in five years they I mean obviously they didn't play last year but that's 2017 2018 2019 three straight games they didn't lead a single minute they didn't look like they belonged on the uh, on the same field I covered all those games that wasn't the case it what remains to be seen now is we expect Florida State to be better the uh, in 2022 the concern is is this a blip for Clemson or, or is this the, the start of a decline? Because if, if Clemson's closer to its its kind of former form mm-hmm. next year, then, you I mean, you missed your chance at snapping that, that, that losing streak where you haven't beaten them since 2014. Right. Yeah, because the, if they, if it is just a blip and they go back to what they were, you know, that, like, that's, again, FSU, FSU in theory is progressing and they're going to bring in this class that has some pretty good talent as of right now. But still, you're, there's, you're still – a couple of cl- multiple classes away from getting to the kind of level that they that Clemson was at until this year, and and that upper tier kind of so, you know it's still, even though the game's at home next year, it's still you 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 it would be frustrating because of that fact that you're like it's like you had your chance within minutes of, of pulling that off. Yeah, you know it 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 remains to be seen. I mean, obviously, as crazy as it is, Clemson is a. Uh still alive in the in the ACC title scene. I know some stuff has to uh, go their way. They, yeah, they, they, they need some they, help. Need some help. <laughs> but if they win out, which is not by any means out of the question, then they, they and, and some stuff happens for them, then, I mean, they'll they'll be right there again and they'll get to uh, extend that streak. And I'm sure that's frustrating for Florida State, too. I don't know how much the coaches care, but there are some. I'm sure some players on that team who would not have minded kind of being able to uh, drive the dagger into that streak. What's ironic is FSU can help them out this week if they if they beat NC State, they can they can help that a little bit on that side of it because NC State would then have uh, two conference losses, I believe, and then kind of gives Clemson a little sliver of hope if they can if someone else can beat Wake Forest and then they can beat Wake Forest later in the season. They get Wake Forest there in Death Valley in, in I think, it, what, in a couple of weeks, I believe? Uh, yeah, I don't know the exact uh, day, yeah. actually. I know, I mean, I think that's the last real chance anybody has at uh, breaking Clemson's home winning streak this year. They're, yeah. it's, it's, let's look, I'm looking up the date. That would be, it's November 20th. It's the second to last week of the season, yeah, right so before Clemson's two and a half, rivalry like, game with South Carolina. Yeah, two weeks after this Saturday. So, yeah, so, I mean... <laughs> Still, still possible. Still possible. So it's gonna be gonna be an interesting finish. Let's uh, let's let's pivot. Let's look ahead to uh, the next team, the uh, start of the final homestand of the year. As crazy as that is, I mean, Florida State has a uh, four games left, two of them at home, then two on the road to end it. the The final homestand starts this weekend with uh, an NC State team that I mean, it, 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 I know is ranked in the coaches' poll. I think they're twenty second and. I, I don't think it's a surprise that this team is good. I mean, I think you saw 
the you saw the pieces of last year's team and what they were able to do despite the fact that they didn't have their quarterback Devin Leary. They were uh, using a former Florida State quarterback Bailey Hockman last year, and now they got Devin Leary back from injury. And I mean, they've uh, outside of the, uh, the the Miami game, their their loss at Miami, they've they've been a a really impressive team. Yeah, they they from day one we thought this was going to be one of the explosive offenses in college football. Now the the surprise has been how good Devin Leary's been a quarterback for them. I mean that's we we talked about Sam Howell being the best quarterback FSU was going to face this year potentially. I mean Devin Leary, what he's done statistically, I mean only, what is it? Only six quarterbacks have put up the kind of numbers that that he has. That oh six quarterbacks. Since the college football playoffs began in 2014, put up numbers like this: 21 touchdowns, only two picks. I mean, the 66 points. I think all both of them came in one game: the Mississippi State loss. Right. So I mean, the 66.1 completion percentage is good, but and and the 2,161 yards is good, but you look at that ratio: 21 to two, and and like you said, one game only. I mean. No one's been more effective than him, and that's—I mean—that's that's going to be a challenge to to rattle a quarterback like that coming into this week, and 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 that especially when he can couple it with the kind of running game that the Wolfpack has. I mean, this is a this is a balanced offense. Zonovan Knight and Ricky Person are are still a potent combo back there. You know, their offensive line is good. Was talking to to Keir Thomas about that today, and he was impressed with what they can do up front. I'm telling you, this is you know, automatically people are thinking because they hung with Clemson on the road that maybe, oh, let's see, now they're going to be at home. This is not NC State may not have like the glamorous name of a Clemson, but this is one of those teams that can that we said it from the beginning. This was a contender for the conference title. They, they and and now they're a little more. There's more urgency uh, from their side after that Miami loss. They know that you know their window is narrowing if they want to make a run at this. Yeah, I mean, a, a few uh, standout receivers for them as well. I mean, Emeka Amezi is over 500 yards already on the season. They got two others in Thayer Thomas and Devin Carter who are, who are over 350. All of them have multiple touchdowns. I mean, they've been real weapons for Leary. I, I, I mean, it's a, a – the big thing for me, I mean, you, you talked about it somewhat. They haven't turned the ball over. It's crazy. To, in four, They've gone the last four games without a turnover. The last wow. turnover they had, they had one – in their their home win over Clemson back on September 25th in overtime, mm-hmm. it's the last one they had. It was well over a month ago. By the time they play, it will have been I mean five weeks, and and that's it's really I mean they're just a team that uh they're not nearly like I said they're not nearly as talented as Clemson, but they're they're just sound. They they don't make a ton of mistakes. Yeah, they kind of they don't beat themselves. Beat yeah, they, them. they 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 make you beat them. Yeah, that's and, yeah. and I'm curious how that how how Florida State handles that i mean if it's a sound defense that's not going to be not going to have blown coverages not going to have missed gaps in the run game can those florida state players make the individual plays we've seen it in moments we saw it against north carolina well we, who, who does that remind you of when you start talking about fundamentally sound opponents that we we talked about earlier this year uh wake forest uh-huh and that didn't go so well did it <laughs> Uh, yeah, and it did not. I would say this is a different Florida State team than that team. It is. It is. But I'm saying in, that, but, in, that, in the no, type right. of opponent I mean, where it, it, they're scary. They're not scary on paper, but they're scary good in the sense of you're going to have to really 
force the mistakes instead of expect them to do something. You know, they're not going to give you anything. They're not going to give you an inch. You're going to have to take it. No, you're you're absolutely right. I mean, it's uh, it, so how what can a uh, what can Florida State do in that regard? We've seen it, like we said, we've seen it from the receivers, we've seen it with the running backs consistently, and even I mean, uh, we'll see what this defense is able to do in uh, in taking away Jordan Travis. For all the teams in the division that got to see Jordan Travis last year, this will be NC State's first time facing him, mm. at least at Florida State. Maybe he played a little when he when he was on Louisville as a true freshman when he was there at Louisville. But last year he was hurt for this game. It was Chubba Purdy, right? So, so this will be kind of their first time facing Florida State and Jordan Travis. That is, how 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 do how do they handle that? Because yeah. that in many ways will determine. I mean, he's been a major two way weapon for them this year, and and he wasn't last week because of what Clemson's able to do personnel wise. I'm not sure NC State's going to be able to do that personnel wise. Yeah, I mean, it's a different look. It's a different look for sure. I mean, you know, they they struggled against Tyler Van Dyke, but Jordan Travis is a different type of quarterback. I think Jordan Travis, in terms of what he can do in the running game, it gives you more in that regard. So it's a, you know, it's just a, a different type of explosive element that, you know, you, you, you wonder how they're going to be able to handle it. I mean, then again, they're coming off facing a mobile quarterback the other day, you know, against Louisville. They're able to, you know, per, you know get, end up getting the W on that one. So I mean we'll see. I mean it, it, they're at least it, it's in Tallahassee, and one good thing is that this last stretch of games FSU has turned it on as far as you know forcing turnovers. And you wrote that today in in the article about how they forced. I mean, granted, one of those games was against UMass, but six turnovers in the last two games after what six turnovers period over the first uh, what six are we games. At? Six games, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Six yeah, so six, six over the last two weeks. Now, yeah. obviously, one of those was UMass. Right, that's what I was saying. Was yeah, that's what I was saying. I mean, but then again, it shows you the consistency of forcing turnovers at least. And and, and what's impressed me is the secondary. I mean, forcing, getting the, you know, making those plays, getting those picks. I mean, we saw maybe it wasn't three turnovers, but we saw even one of those plays against North Carolina when Jerry and Jones did it. So, it, it, I, I I would stretch it back even to that week and say that. The defense has found a way to start producing some takeaways, and that's huge. And then in a game like this, it's probably going to be paramount for them to do when you look at a team that, like we were saying before, they're very disciplined football and, and not going to really make those mistakes unless you make them happen. Yeah, you talked about Malik Cunningham. It is a good comparison. I went and looked up his uh, his stats. I mean, obviously, NC State held Louisville to 13 points. They won pretty comfortably there at home. 28 to 13, comfortably late, I should say. That was a close game. Yeah, 7-7 seven, seven going into the – Oh, okay, 7-7. Seven, seven. I wasn't sure if it was 7-7 seven, seven going into the fourth. It sounded like they did most of their damage in the fourth quarter. So they may have just worn Louisville down. But but Malik did uh, – they didn't take away Malik entirely. He had 18 carries for 76 yards. I don't know how sacks mm. factor in there and how many times he was sacked. I would imagine somewhat. But that to me says that he had at least some success and that the opportunity is there and that you're not going into this game thinking – Jordan is unlikely to be able to get free much. Right. Yeah, and that, and that's what I mean. Like if you if they yep. can if he can take advantage and they can get back to what's been effective for them in the running game and with with Jordan making those plays with his feet as well, that that's what they need to do that to to turn it to their advantage. The interesting thing for me, I mean, when you look at this NC State team, NC State's played only three road games. This will only hmm. be their their fourth road game. I mean. 
with with them starting with four non-conference games, three of them at home right off the bat. I mean, they haven't done that a ton. And, and two of their road games have, have not been great. I mean, you look at the Mississippi State loss was, was pretty brutal for them and what Mike Leach and the Air Raid was able to do. Mm-hmm. And then obviously going down to Miami. I mean, that was a Miami team that was really reeling. And I don't, they're not a bad Miami team. I mean, what they did and kind of followed up the week after at Pitt shows that team was probably better than its record indicated. Yeah. But it's well, probably still a game that this NC State team should win against a freshman quarterback and against plenty of circumstances. Their one road win at Boston College was impressive in terms of, I mean, it's a 33-7 win. It was thorough. Mm-hmm. But I think we're seeing that Boston College team has really just been beaten down by injuries, and but, I'm not I'm not sure quality of opponent wise it's an especially impressive win. But you going to going back to what the Hurricanes did, they they found something on offense these last few weeks. Yeah. Even in the loss to North Carolina, their offense can hang with anybody now, and and then they showed it since Tyler Van Dyke took over. And I think that's what was able to exploit that against NC State. If they if they faced Miami before. When they when they were struggling in that regard, that's probably a different outcome. But the fact that they were able to put points so again, whether it was Mike Leach's team or Miami, they've been struggling with teams that can that that have potent offenses. FSU doesn't do it so much through through the air; they're more of a ground assault. So we'll see again. It'll it'll come down again to up front. You got to see how healthy these guys are come Saturday, and and if they're able to establish the running game like they're used to again. Remember and still. Six out of eight this year, where they go over two hundred. That's still the majority of the time they're they're winning at the line of scrimmage and and letting those guys get free and and make big plays. And actually, so it's <laughs> funny you say that. Louisville was the first team to run for two hundred yards on NC State this season. Louisville, oh, there you go, averaged over five yards per carry. It's the most they've allowed. They had forty-one carries for for two fifteen. Yep, there you go. So I mean, so. They, despite. Not maybe finishing drives. Louisville was moving the ball, as evidenced by that. Before that, I mean, they had allowed 139, 104, 103, and then three sub 100 rushing yard games. So still, I, yeah, still I mean, decent, even though it's not going over 200. Still decent outputs. Here's though, interesting that they're allowing. In eight games this season, NC State has allowed one rushing touchdown. Hmm. Clemson got one. Wow. No so, one else has any. So all yielding, those yards, so yeah. it, it, I mean, it, it speaks to I would imagine how good their their red zone defense may be. I'm actually going to look that up while we're uh, yeah. Well, and FSU just came off playing literally the best red zone, the highest rated red zone defense in the country in Clemson. So here would come another another team that that's used to stifling teams inside the twenty. I'm not sure if you're you're looking up exactly how how good they are at that. So, so I mean, it's not it's not Clemson, but it, it bears mentioning with Clemson, Florida State with a little trickeration with that screen pass to Corbin scored on their only red zone possession. Right. They scored a touchdown. Although, although you said they're not Clemson, but second fewest touchdowns allowed. So Clemson's allowed six. They've allowed nine in the in the red zone. So still pretty and effective. They're also allowing they're allowing touchdowns on less than fifty percent of their opponent's red zone trips. Correct. So so still, another still pretty one effective. Where you're, you're probably betting on or hoping Mike Norvell and Kenny Dillingham really scheme some interesting things up. I mean, you saw how what they were doing to Clemson with Clemson's false starts earlier in that game with all the mm-hmm. movement. It seemed like they had Clemson, I don't know if a little shaken, a little jumpy. What I don't know how you want to uh, – what you want to say it was, what you want to equate it to. But, it, it, I mean, we, we've seen a good bit of, especially since early this season in the struggles – 
how uh, creative those those offensive minds can be for Florida State. They're going to need to be again uh, a Saturday. I know how how highly they talked of North Carolina State's defense and their defense coordinator. And you know, as we have this window open here on on CFB stats, shout out to FSU's own red zone defense. They're they're second lowest percentage allowed here, sixty five percent in the red zone. They've allowed thirteen touchdowns, only two field goals. I mean, that they themselves have been doing a good job when opponents get inside the 20 for the most part. That's a, yeah, that, and that's grown significantly as the uh, as the the season's gone on, but yeah, they they weren't especially good at that early. They have been a, a good bit better lately to be sure. Yeah. No no one kicks on FSU in the red zone. We got that for sure. They're the two field goals the fewest allowed. Well, and the interesting thing, I mean, I think both of Clemson's field goal misses, or both of their non-scores in the red zone last week in Florida State were both field goal misses, right? Right. Yeah, so that's part of it. That also contributes but, but to it. It's, But, yeah. You don't set that up if you don't get the stop. Well, and that was the point I tried to make, too, which was, yeah. you know, yeah, they were they helped a little bit by those misses to stay in the game? Yes, but of course, if they get those, if they get in the end zone on all those trips, the, the game's yeah. over. The game's over early, and, and they didn't, and that's, again – you know, credit to the defense for making the key stops and the key moments that they needed to for the majority of that second half. Well, and also, it's not like Florida State's been lucky with that this season. Those were the first three field goals an FSU opponent has missed this year. Through seven games, they yeah. were perfect. Yeah, they, they kept running into some, some clutch kicking, as we know, from uh, Notre Dame and other games. I, I, I'm still kind of... Uh, sorting through what I think about this weekend. I mean, we're recording this on Tuesday, so I'm hesitant to uh, give a prediction. I will say, I mean, I know you talked – I don't want to uh, – you you mentioned the possibility of feeling better about the NC State game because of how the Clemson game ended. And I will say I agree. I mean, it's a – there's no doubt I think Florida State was hurt by that, but at the same time I don't think it was a hurt that's going to – discourage them this week i think it's a hurt that's gonna motivate them this week yeah well Kier thomas even mentioned it uh, today when when asked him about responding you know from either from when to kind of keeping the even keel how, how how norvell mentioned it on monday too how the teams learned how to bounce back whether it's a win whether it's a loss and that that wasn't happening early in the season and he said it he said we can't let clemson beat us twice we can't we got to look at this completely different wipe the slate and keep going but there are elements that they can build off of. And I, and I just, seeing that game, I just felt like, you know, there were moments where there were moments of growth for this team where because they've improved in areas like that these last few weeks, that's what allowed them to stay competitive in a game like that. And yeah, coming back home, I could see this team, you know, really, I mean, they, you know, you always get up for a game or most games, but not just like to the, the 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 usual level. I think they're they're going to come out, you know, with a with a focus and intensity to to try and bounce back and and get a big win at home, like 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 this one. I mean, their biggest win so far this year was North Carolina. That was on the road. So they really, if you look at it, I mean, the Syracuse win was big just to get a win. Period. It didn't matter who it was. They just needed a win at that point. But I'm saying, knock off a ranked opponent at home. They haven't done one of those. Like they haven't had one of those really really feel good wins yet in in their own stadium so this is what i just look at it like this is one of those weekends that it could happen 
Now, what concerns me about going out on a limb yet and picking them is everything we just talked about a little while ago about yeah. how good and how fundamentally sound NC State is and how good Devin Leary is. So it's one of those things I got to kind of really digest it a little more and see how confident I feel later in the week. I uh, I won't put you on the spot for a pick yet because we do have a little more time. Those will be uh, later in the week in our in our just the facts, our preview and prediction story that'll run uh, online Friday and in Saturday's paper. We'll uh, we'll have predictions there if you're if you're curious about kind of our our thoughts our thoughts uh, at the moment. Uh, it's interesting. I, I don't think it'll happen this weekend. It seems like Florida State's closer to getting a few defensive veterans with a lot of experience. Definitely something they've missed. Mm-hmm. Uh, back guys like Emmett Rice guys like Leonard Warner both not played at all because of offseason injuries and it's interesting I mean they they credit to them for being those veterans where it may be it may be I'm sure somewhat uh tempting to to not be as locked in they've been locked in they've kept working at the rehab and I know Emmett uh after Saturday's loss tweeted that he the the day of the Miami game the date of it I think it's mm-hmm. November 13th of I think eyeing that, I mean, obviously as a hometown kid, I'm sure that's a game he would love to get back for. Oh, no doubt about it. I mean, that's that's the game that all these guys who played in Miami, you know, you know what a hotbed of talent it is down there and high school football talent and everybody knows everybody and they're gonna like that that's what fuels that rivalry and it has for, for decades. And he'd love to do that. And I think it was interesting to hear Norvell say that he he participated pretty much fully in the, in the Sunday practice. He was working. He was working well again today uh, on Tuesday's practice. I mean, who knows? I mean, even if you sprinkle him in for, you know, probably not going to jump in the very first game and play, you know, sixty snaps or whatever. But even if you sprinkle him in here and there, I think I even told you that was another thing. I think I told you on the way back from Clemson was if he did come back. That's a kind of game where where it's such an emotional game that you never know if he's one of those guys that maybe he makes one big impact play. Even if he plays 15 snaps, maybe he makes the one or or one of the plays that then we're writing about as one of the most impactful that determine the outcome of the game. I mean, that games like that always have those the, those moments where 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 the where an unlikely guy makes it or or someone that maybe hasn't been around like he hasn't been able to play until now or until then potentially i mean it that that's why you love those rivalry games and that would be great to see for emmett for emmett to be able to get back in there and and do something like that yeah i mean obviously we'll talk about that there are plenty to say about that miami game next week definitely the chance will be there for florida state to uh another chance to snap a losing streak in a uh, in a rivalry yeah but but it by no means even <laughs> seems like the gimme, it, it, or not gimme, but the it, it will be tougher than you thought it was going to be two weeks ago. Yeah, and I, because of the turnaround on offense and t- what they've done with Van Dyke at quarterback now, I think it's definitely, you know, the the, the stakes become uh, the, the intensity becomes higher again. The cha- the the difficulty level increases for them for sure, and and, and yeah, we're getting a little bit we're getting a little bit uh, ahead, but. That's why earlier I said this game feels this game this weekend feels so important because at that point you you fall in this one you're down to three and six and then it's kind of you're looking at the last three it's not we've 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 thrown this bowl topic back in there as a maybe a possibility because they're three and five and it doesn't look it looks possible again at least but you need a win this weekend to keep that realistically alive because at that point you're in must win the last three and looking at 
you know, a challenging game at home, a rivalry game at home, challenging against the Hurricanes, and then a road trip to Gainesville. You know, Boston College, I know, is down, and they've had their struggles, but it is still a road game in, a, in cold weather. So, you know, to, to, to see a team, not just FSU, but to see any team go through that stretch and win all three is really, really tough. So that's why it makes this game at home this week that much more important. No, for sure. I, obviously, we're sitting now at got to win three of the last four. And yep. and it would be tough to kind of lose your your mulligan as it was uh, right off the bat. Yeah, that would uh, that would it would be challenging to to come away with three wins. I mean, obviously Florida has has taken a noticeable step back, but like Clemson, there's still a talent advantage there, and, that, and that's definitely a, a team that's had more success. And uh, it, it will. I mean, it, it, there Florida State has a chance to win that game, but. I wouldn't bet on them at five and six needing that win to uh, to get there. So so getting this yeah. one done would uh, would help the the uh, chance at a bowl that I mean you would have thought was dead yeah. at at zero and four. I mean th- these are obviously like the labels that we the media use, but like they really haven't won the quote unquote fifty fifty matchup yet this year because they. They beat Syracuse, who was a team that is better, is better this year. But at the time that the schedule was made, you looked at it and said, okay, they should win that, especially at home. Syracuse coming off 1-10. and 10. So they take care of that one. They take care of UMass, which you looked at as the easiest game on their schedule. And then they win one of the games that people thought they weren't supposed to at North Carolina. But they really haven't – the games that we look pegged as sort of 50-50s, they still have not won any of those. And so here's another one. And in that in the stretch like that with what's on the line, you gotta pounce. You gotta somehow find the way, even though they are a slight underdog at home. No, for sure. And uh we'll we will uh, have plenty on that next week. We uh I think I, I said last week that we would touch on soccer somewhere in the middle. We obviously uh we we didn't do that. That's okay. We still got a little bit of time. We can. Yeah, yeah. let's let's let's. They they deserve the uh, they deserve the recognition to be sure. Yeah. Well, they they uh, as as anyone that's following the team knows they they they've hit it. We knew this was going to be the toughest stretch of the regular season, right at the finish line, and obviously they didn't come away with one with a single victory out of those three matches, but they were able to to draw against North Carolina. Then they had the loss to Duke, and then the Virginia game was interesting because. It was a very physical match. A lot of fouls called, especially on FSU's side. They were still without their three key players in um, Gabby Carl and, and Maria Lagoa and Heather Payne, who were all playing for their respective countries uh, right now. But um, you look at it, they, they fell behind one nothing, and they were able to respond in the second half. A great goal in the second half by Yuji Zhao tied it up. And it played through overtime with a 1-1 tie. And now they they ended up the ACC runner-up. They're the number two seed. But a chance to bounce back now that they are going to get those players back. And that was, the, that was the interesting part is they hadn't really been tested like this. But they came through it pretty much injury-free as far as you could tell. And really not at full strength because Gabby Carl's one of their best defenders. And she was not there for any of these three games. So now you get her back in the mix you know, the freshman, Maria, you could tell is going to be a pretty good scorer for this team for years to come. She wasn't there, you know, and, and it's going to be interesting to see. They got the the important thing was they were able to get the bye in the ACC first round. 
and have a week to really get those players acclimated again into their get you know get them back up to back up to speed in their system and everything what they want to do how they're kind of planning to approach the postseason now so now this is fsu at full strength is the point i'm getting to as they play the toughest stretch they're going to get a, a wake forest team that knocked off duke in the sem in the opening round they're going to get them now in the semifinal on friday night in theory if they get past that you're looking at potentially a rematch with virginia for the acc title and then here comes the ncaa tournament where you would think because of everything they accomplished already this year they're probably going to be able to host multiple rounds here in tallahassee which the home field advantage here is tremendous over the years for them so We'll see. It's it's set up to be another another good run. This team has a little bit of everything. I mean, I think I, I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. I think that when you get those key, when they were missing those key players, I think it had a, a bit of an effect. And I think now that they went through that gauntlet, now that they get those players back, this is going to be the real team now that we saw earlier in the year just be so dominant. And, you know, can they survive it? Can they make it all the way to Santa Clara in December and, and, and make another run for a national title? I mean, the talent's definitely there. Like you said, it's about uh, the stuff aligning on the right day. I mean, I, they, the team may not mind a different path. Some some fans may not mind a different path. But I would, I'll would i be all for them playing a Virginia again in that final if they both win if they both win Friday, just, I mean, I, I, I was I didn't get to watch that game. I was at the basketball exhibition that night, but I was following and it seems like it was a, a crazy good game. And I know they had to battle some weather. So maybe, and obviously yeah. the state wasn't at full strength. So yeah. Yeah. there were some circumstances where maybe it wasn't kind of as good. It, it was a good game, but mm-hmm. kind of the teams and the situation didn't make it as good as it could have been. The, the slippery turf monster, let's say had a few tackles in that game that, probably wouldn't happen if we're if we're if we're in a normal drive setting did it get any cards uh, it it should have once or twice I mean, <laughs> but uh, they there were cards well that's the thing there were cards on humans actually because they were it they, that that the chippy play was something that really stood out and fan, fans were getting on the officials a little bit because i think fsu ended up with like 12 fouls and virginia had maybe five or six and there were a couple of cards there were three cards on fsu only one on them so you know things that happen in a soccer match, but I think the underlying theme was the, these are two physical teams that really know how to play with intensity when when the stakes are high, and that's gonna be that's gonna be the fun part if they play again. Not only now on Sunday for the for the conference title, but what well, well, you covered it last year. You saw that game in the semi in the national semifinal where it went to PKs. I mean that must have been a thriller. Their quarterfinal went to PKs too. Yeah, but but the yeah. Virginia match. I mean, it must have oh, been. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So and and a lot you know a lot of firepower on both sides. I mean, you know it'll be it'll be it'll be interesting. It'll be fun. I think, but but again, I think the real FSU will come out now and and good because at this point in the season, you don't want teams to be shorthanded. You want to you want them to have the the ability to take their best shot at it. So we'll see. Yeah, it's uh, we we will see for sure. We'll also we'll have a, a second podcast episode coming to you this week. With uh, people from both FSU basketball programs. That's, uh, I mean, I know reasons for optimism surrounding both teams. We'll have interviews with people from both programs. We already did one of them, and it's, I think, a really good interview that those of you who are FSU Hoop fans are are really going to enjoy. And a lot of reason, like I said, for uh, for optimism around those teams. Yeah, definitely. Um, You you say people. I don't know. Should we, we? Should we tell people who it was? 
Yeah, it was so Stan Jones. I don't know the uh, associate head coach for the men's team is a. Uh, has been with Leonard Hamilton as long as he's been in Tallahassee. Was definitely gotten kind of a a front row seat to the build, and I mean, is a, about as good a developer of bigs as you'll see. I mean, it's great when we get to go out to practice to watch him, and he had a lot of really good things to say about a lot of players on the team. I think uh, a great listen for the fans, and I think we're gonna have a Sue Semrau, the the head women's basketball coach, coming back after a one year hi- hiatus, is gonna join us as well. Yeah, Sue Sue's really excited. She there, um, you know, to Wednesday night. It's just an exhibition against West Florida, but you could tell by the way every time they mention just the game setting, being able to be in a game setting again, she gets, she smiles and she's she's ready to go. She can't wait, and you know we'll see that team. That team, a lot of talent once again. You know, right now a top twenty squad going into the season, the ranked sixteenth in the AP poll. The coaches poll hasn't come out yet, so don't know where they're going to put them. But um, you know returns all five starters plus some talented freshmen too so again the the, the Seminoles are going to be a are going to be a threat this year on both on both sides both on the men's side and the women's side going forward yeah I don't know exactly when that one will be out it'll depend somewhat on when we get stuff finalized but later this week mm-hmm. we'll have that one out here in this feed as well and and would encourage you to listen we appreciate you for Listening all the way through for uh subscribing to the podcast subscribing to the Tallahassee Democrat if you do any of the above for uh following us on Twitter. It, I mean, it, it allows us to uh, do what we do. And, and I know we're very proud of our coverage and, and hope that y'all uh, enjoy it and hope that you enjoy the episode. And we will uh, talk to you next time.